to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is Scott. Glad you're here listening to the Exploring Washington State podcast with us again this week. My guest is John Furness, otherwise known as the Blind Woodsman. John and his wife, Annie, live in Washougal, Washington. Try to say that two times fast. And John has an amazing story that he shares with us here in this episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. I find it fascinating when people overcome challenges in their lives and go on and, and make contributions. John, John and Annie both are wonderful people. We had some challenges getting this episode scheduled and they were great to work with. And I really like their work. I really like his woodworking. I really like her, her art. And I just think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let John talk. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Do us a favor, like it in whatever podcast player you're listening to us on. Please, if you can, give us a review, share it, help us get the word out about all the great things going on here in Washington State. Our guest today is John Furness, otherwise known as the Blind Woodsman on TikTok, Instagram, everywhere social. And we stumbled across John because of you have half a million followers on TikTok. Yeah, that's crazy. I, Good for I, you. I can't hardly believe it. Honestly, really, it, it, we've been on TikTok basically for about a year. I mean, a little more than that, but like seriously, on TikTok for about a year now. Um, we actually just I, I last or just yesterday was a one year anniversary of the last uh, art fair we ever went to which was one that annie and i actually put on just the two of us arranged it and and put it on and everything it it was uh, we planned it at the i mean it we came up with the idea like the beginning of december and then february 8th that same you know time period just right you know a couple, uh, months, couple later. months later yeah we and it was a huge success. Awesome. Tons of people came. Every artist that was there said it was basically one of the best shows they've ever done financially and socially. It, it was so it was a good, a good send off, so to speak, because we don't really we're not going to do those anymore, really. OK, well, before we start, you know, we, I kind of jumped the gun with the whole TikTok thing. Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so before before we get started, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about you and Annie okay. and then we'll work our way around the conversation okay. uh, as I always do. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Um, well, uh, my name's John Furness and I am married to Annie. She's my wonderful wife. We're both artists. I, I, I primarily, I'm a woodworker. Um, Annie is also an artist and she does, practically everything. <laughs> she was a photographer when we first met. Uh, she's done fiber art, uh, paintings. She's painted since she was a teenager, I think. And uh, uh, she just started doing sculptures, really cool little clay sculptures that she paints also. Okay. And uh, we live up here in Washington. I absolutely, I fell in love with Washington the first moment my foot hit the ground here. I just, <laughs> there's just something magical about it. I don't know how to describe it. Well, what brought you to Washington? Well, what first brought me to Washington actually was the Emil Freeze School of Piano Technology for the Blind, <laughs> otherwise known as the Piano Hospital. And it closed down, unfortunately, oh, about four years ago. And uh, it had actually been there since 1939, um, had students from all over the world, literally. I uh, I'm still friends with a guy from South Africa that was there when uh, I was. Uh, we still communicate every now and then. He he uh, uh, lives in uh, Bluefontein, South Africa. <laughs> um, and if if my memory serves me, that that school was in Vancouver, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right, Vancouver, Washington, basically just over the bridge from Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, just over the Columbia. Uh, so I. I came up here to do that. And really leading up to that, I really struggled trying to find employment because I'm a 
I'm a blind guy that has basically no computer skills, but I'm really good with my hands. But more often than not, that kind of a job can have its dangers. And so they most, you know, nobody will hire me. And uh, then I heard about the, and so I, I was working on my woodworking skills. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but uh, that's uh, fine woodworking and an interest in that. And also my friend that taught me that he told me about the school. And working on pianos other than tuning is uh, fine-tuned woodwork. I, I mean, other than tuning and stringing, anyway. But uh, so that's what really got me interested, and in it's specifically for the blind. It was only, you know, for the blind. So I decided to come up here, and it was it it was great. You know, I loved it. And uh, Annie and I actually met at that school in 2012. Uh, she was painting a piano for, it was a fundraiser and they did it every year and they'd hire some, they'd have some uh, volunteer artists come in and paint pianos. And then they would be set out just on the sidewalk in different places for people to play. And then there's a donation bucket. And so, and she happened to be painting a piano in the same room that I was working in. I, I had a, I was working on a different piano anyway. And I go in there, and of course, the very first thing I do is put my hand on the wet paint, like an iron filing to a magnet. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's, no, that's not good. Well, luckily, she was just priming. I didn't, like, stick my finger up Mona Lisa's nose or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were working in that same room and got to talking, and really uh, started to hit it off and she actually contacted she called me for the first day because i'm like george mcfly when it comes to women tell the truth <laughs> <laughs> so uh and when she called i i didn't really know what to do because i was broke i didn't have a penny to my name at the moment so i didn't know what to do and i i told her i was busy and i would call her back and at the time i uh had a, a garden plot at the a, a community center that you can rent them here. And I had this huge patch of peas that needed to be harvested. And so I called her up and asked her if she wanted to pick peas. And we went and talked for hours in the garden till sunset. And we even got married uh, in front of that same garden plot three years later. That's a great story. So it was, a great story. it was cool. And, you know, I, I did the piano stuff for, I, I went there for two years and then I rebuilt pianos for two years and it got to the point, like I loved learning about it because it was, it was science, it was physics and geometry and all that stuff and, and mechanics. But once you learn all the ins and outs, every piano is the same 10 to 11,000 parts. And that's still a lot of parts. Though. That's Come on. a lot of parts, and it, but it's just so repetitive that okay. I just couldn't see myself doing it. I mean, it was like Groundhog's Day, day in and day out. Just like one of the one a very uh, standard uh, uh, repair that you do on a piano. You basically you're calibrating all the moving parts. It's fifteen hundred separate adjustments that have to be within very small tolerances, and. It, and um, I got my arms out in front of me all day long. And so it was hard on my back, which I've injured a few times, but it, it really, uh, I'm creative. I like things to change. And so, you know, it just, when I realized it was going to be just the same thing day in and day out, I, I really, I decided to get out of it, which was hard to do too. You know what I mean? I had devoted four years of my life to it and came all the way up here from Utah to Washington. And, but, you know, I, some things just aren't for some people. Okay. You know? And so uh, I went back to my first love, so to speak, <laughs> woodworking. And that's what got me, you know, that's what got me into pianos in the first place. And, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I'm a pretty decent woodworker. I, I've done some tables and stuff in the past, and I've, I'm very proud of my my skills as they've developed. And uh, Annie, about 
what was it in 2016, she bought me a lathe for my birthday and I've hardly turned that thing off since. <laughs> so I've got to ask, this is, you know, pure ignorance on my part. Oh no, go ahead. I think, you know, I think of woodworking tools. I think of power tools. I think mm-hmm. of safety mm-hmm. and, and here you are, you're blind. How do you navigate your studio when you're doing this stuff? Well, I I have a very visual memory. I I have uh, spatial awareness skills that are, are I've had lots of uh, like mobility professionals and stuff tell me they've never seen anybody with my kind of spatial awareness, and part of that comes from I imagine my surroundings. I always imagine my surroundings, and so. Um, I I picture the arm of the couch that's next to me, or I picture the table that's across the room because I know it's there. And I still have, it's such a a visual layout that I I can walk around almost as if I had vision in a familiar place. Um, And that's, so when I'm in my shop, I just, I just know where everything is. I mean, to a certain point, I misplace tools pretty often, but <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I misplace stuff all the time. And yeah. I'm like, you must be very disciplined to put everything back in this. To tell the, the truth, spot. I'm not. And there are certain <laughs> things. Yes. Like my measuring tools, which literally are the only adaptive equipment in my whole shop. Those have their own special bag that they go into all the time. And so mm-hmm. let me, let me, let me interject. So you're saying that the, the rest of your tools are just the same tools that I could go buy if I went to, you know, yeah. woodworking store. Yeah. Yeah. They're okay. just, just standard tools. Cause I mean, a saw is a saw and there's really not many ways around that, you know? True. And, uh, uh, so really the, the main difference between sighted and blind woodworkers is the way that we measure. Um, and, uh, you know, really, when it comes down to it, sighted or blind, if you follow the safety rules, you'll be okay. You know, and I am religious about safety. Okay. <laughs> I've taught myself a lesson a time or two. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the first bowl uh. I ever made on the lathe. And, and I mean, I felt kind of dumb, too, because at this point, I was actually an experienced turner. I had done some pretty big stuff, but it was all like spindle type stuff, like chair leg type stuff, which is a, a totally different animal than making a bowl. A bowl is, it's a much bigger block of wood. You have to, there's just different geometry involved. And I have my finger in a place that it shouldn't have been resting on top of the chisel and it dug into the wood and I smashed my finger between a, a part that's called the tool rest and the side of the chisel. And Ow. I'm talking 11 stitches, eight Ooh. weeks to heal. And I left a trail of blood, like a wounded cowboy in a John Wayne movie all the way to the back door. It was, oh no. Yeah. It was pretty intense, but luckily full recovery on the finger and okay. a valuable lesson learned. Don't put your finger there. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, but like I was saying, you know, the only adaptive tool is is my measuring device called a Rotomatic. So uh, explain what that is. Okay, basically, it's a bolt. It's a finely machined bolt with a wide rectangular shaped nut on it. And uh, it's, it's machined so that it's flat on top and bottom as you run down the length of it. And okay. on one side of that, it's got a raised tab every half inch. And then every rotation of that wide rectangular shaped nut is one sixteenth of an inch. And then oh. the nut itself is one inch by five eighths and a quarter inch thick to do quick measure, quick measurements. But I can, I've done cuts accurate down to a 32nd of an inch on the table saw with that, using wow. that device to set it up. So, and, and it's literally, it's a finely machined bolt. That is all it is. It's as simple as it can possibly be, but that unlocks the entire craft of woodworking for me. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's wow. And there's, I mean, there's some out there that are way more expensive, way more complicated, but nowhere near as accurate. 
So it's just, so let me see if I got this. Okay. So you're telling me it's basically a, a bolt mm-hmm. that was machined to a very fine tolerance. Yeah. That yes. allows you to measure within a 30 second of an inch. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. I love it. And there are other, you know, like I said, there's a couple other out there, like a talking tape measure. And those are, are ridiculously inaccurate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They can only get you down to like within an eighth of an inch. Okay. And that's, that's like, I mean, when you're doing fine woodworking, an eighth of an inch off is as good as a mile. I mean, you'll, you'll throw off your entire design, all your dimensions. It'll, you know, it'll cause you some serious problems. The next best is a click rule, which is really the best step down from what I've got, which is basically Think of the finely machined bolt that I am describing inside of a body that has like a ratchet thing so that as you click it out, it goes. But that's you still don't have the the rock solid, you know. Accuracy. Of the yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But All right. yeah. But otherwise, you know, I, I just I've got a miter saw that I use quite a bit and. Mostly, I don't use my table saw much because as a turner, I don't make very large cuts. So I've got mm-hmm. a nice sliding miter saw that allows me to, I set up the cut, I clamp the wood down, and then I never have to have my hands anywhere near it while I'm using the saw. Okay. So that's very nice. Um, uh, and then I've got a, just a, a central machinery harbor freight lathe. Okay. And it's a beast. Everybody, people always, oh, a central machinery, a harbor freight lathe, and and I get it. It's pretty hit or miss. It can be anyway. But that lathe, I thousands of hours of operating time. I'm talking like five to six thousand hours. Um, and I I've done pieces on there that when they first started out as the the block that's called a, a blank. Mm-hmm. Um, it weighed probably 35 pounds and it wow. was able to turn that and, and was, uh, 12 or actually that one was 13 by seven inches. So just, you know, big salad bowl size, like family right. salad bowl size. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what, Oh, go ahead. What got you started on the the online, the the, the social media, the TikTok and the, the YouTube and all of that? That's As, that is all Annie, hundred <laughs> okay. percent Annie. I okay. uh, like I said, I'm really not tech savvy at all, and sure. uh, you know, a lot of times I'll take pictures of my nose hairs instead of what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know a little secret. We all do that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But actually even Annie is such a, an excellent videographer. She's even taught me so I can do the videos. Now there's, there's been several that I've done so far to help her out. What Um, are you using? What are you using when you're filming these? Are you using an iPhone? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just an iPhone. Um, and, uh, so she does all of that stuff. I mean, when, uh, we first got together, she was already really heavily involved in the community. And so that, you know, translated to Facebook. And so she's really, and I had always been really anti Facebook. Um, just, Oh, I don't want to put all my stuff out there for everybody to see. And just, uh, and then, uh, Annie and I got together and I decided to, to get one and actually recontacted with some old friends and stuff. So that was cool. And then, uh, uh, when we first got together, I was still working on pianos because obviously we met at school. And uh, in 2016 is when I really switched over to the woodworking. And I mean, up until then, I, you know, obviously Annie was promoting me too. She uh, uh, ran a fundraiser for me to get all my piano rebuilding tools and raised uh, $16,000 for me. Got wow. it, got me a news interviews uh, more than you know several news interviews for that and uh you know so I I did the piano thing and something that's nice about that is most everything I bought except for the very specialized tools are just woodworking tools so that worked out great <laughs> um but uh, 
so she really uh, she got me out there on Facebook and she had bought me my lathe and I made uh, uh, her mom actually requested a small like dresser top jewelry dish. So I made her just a little simple little jewelry dish and Andy posted it on Facebook and there within a day, there were like 14 different people that said, I want one. I want to buy one. So that's pretty much what started the the professional side of it. Okay. So we, uh, and, and it was quite a while before we actually picked up TikTok. Like I said, that was just a year ago that we really did that. And, um, up until then, uh, you know, she advertised us on Facebook and YouTube and stuff like that. And we did, uh, mainly, um, like, uh, art fair type shows. Okay. So we, and that was pretty hit or miss. Honestly, we did, we would do lots and lots of shows and usually it would work out to maybe four or five of them that were actually worth it. If you can that, we, and then there'd be a bunch of duds in between where we wouldn't sell anything sometimes. And, uh, it was, it, so it, it was enough to keep us going, but at the same time she was working a job and doing all that stuff. So that, that was pretty tough on her. But, uh, and we started doing, uh, I actually started doing some public speaking stuff and that also was through Facebook, um, through Annie's postings on Facebook. Um, we actually started off as uh, we were going to elementary schools and teaching blind and disability awareness, such okay. as, you know, uh, don't just assume a blind person or a disabled person needs help. Ask them if they need help. Don't just shout out random directions to a blind person that's on the sidewalk. They don't necessarily need those. And that's not the way to do it in the first place. So we would do that. And then that translated into like inspirational speaking. I would tell my story and just kind of share what I do and and that kind of thing. And that I actually started doing uh, talks at uh, middle schools and high schools. And that was really, really rewarding. I mean, it was so awesome to really like there are a lot of kids that reached out and told me how much it really meant to them. And that that's why I do it. That really, that just, it made everything just, I don't know how to describe it. It was just the most rewarding thing. And TikTok is really big with that age group. And so we decided we wanted to, you know, I mean, at least have some sort of a glimpse into it. And so we started doing TikTok and the first video we ever did on TikTok was we call it cooking with the lights out because <laughs> <laughs> I love to bake and, and stuff like that. And so uh, we did a video where I demonstrated how to make a peach pie and it, it was, it was so much fun. And then it just kind of, it slowly went from there. Like we kind of, we started doing, like I started doing some more of the videos about like telling my story and just, you know, like saying to people, be happy and, and, you know, love those around you kind of thing. Right. And then, uh, we would show, uh, our art sometimes. And then that's kind of how it, it turned into a, a sort of a business venture at the same time. But it, it, it really is more about the human connection for us on TikTok. We, that is so amazing to be able to contact people all around the world. And we, we've communicated with people all over the place. We did some live ones where all the way from Mongolia to Australia and in between. Yeah. So, well, I'd like to, to take this opportunity. And if if you would, I'd really like to hear more of your story. Okay. Because I, I know I know some of it, and I think it's if you're willing to share it, I Absolutely. think it's a, a really powerful story. I would love to. So uh, I guess I could. I guess I'll I'll start when I was 16, and leading up to that was kind of a. I mean, I I had a hard time, and it wasn't because you know like 
my parents or anything like that. I just, I, I really, I had a lot of anxiety and I really kind of felt like people didn't like, uh, accept me or, or value me. And that was really, I was just kind of making that up mostly, but I never really reached out at all either. And, uh, you know, I, and so that led up to when I was 16, I attempted suicide and luckily it only took my sight and my sense of smell and it didn't damage my brain at all or anything like that. And I was able to make a hundred percent recovery to tell the truth. I think it rearranged some things. I, uh, I'm such a different and better person now that I really believe I'm supposed to be blind. That was, it, I was, yeah, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I really feel like I'm supposed to be blind and that's how I'm able to, to do what I do in life. And it, it, I like a month after I got out of the hospital, I changed the rear wheel bearings on my old car by myself. I had helped my dad do it when I was a kid and I remembered every bit of it. So I, I did it. Wow. And, and it, (laughs) (laughs) so I I feel very blessed because that I, I really, I know that that is very rare that, you know, something like that happens and, and then a hundred percent recovery is made. You know, I, I feel very fortunate for that. Very blessed. And it, you know, I mean, it was hard too. I, I turned to drugs quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, for several years I, I, you know, drifted between sober and using. And, uh, when I graduated high school, I, I basically just took off. I, I moved back to the little town I grew up in, which was just a, a terrible idea. It was a wide patch in the road in the middle of nowhere in Colorado and there was nothing but trouble for me there. And I, I got back into drugs really heavily. Um, I even got into trouble with the law. I got into quite a bit of trouble, which luckily just, um, in 2019, December, 2019, I was able to get a pardon from the governor of Colorado. Oh, wow. And that was, and it happened in 2001. So, uh, that was amazing. I, I cannot. And I mean, a whole other conversation is that that process needs to be a lot easier for people, but that's a whole other, whole other issue. But I finally was able to get that monkey off my back, but the, so let's go back to Colorado. And this was in my early twenties. I was 19 years old when that happened. And so I'm, I'm in Colorado I'm, I'm on probation. I'm still doing drugs really heavily. And, uh, I, I'm living in these like really sketchy boarding houses and stuff. And I ended up getting really sick, like a, a massive sinus infection that, I mean, it got so bad that they actually had to remove my forehead bone and replace it with prosthetic plate. And what? yeah, they, they, they said they don't understand how or why I survived that without just being totally incapacitated for the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah. And they, it, they said, the only thing I can think of is the scar tissue from when I attempted suicide protected my brain. And, and at that point I decided, uh, maybe I should reach out for a little bit of help. And so I reached out to my parents who they'd always been there for me, but I had refused their help because I didn't, you know, I wanted to do drugs and be a rebel and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was really heavy into meth and cocaine. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Mostly meth and cocaine. So that was pretty bad. I mean, and a lot of people don't make it out of that either. You know, I, I, I feel really grateful because of that too. And so they, of course they, they took me in and through, through their help and in my own stubborn determination and 
I, I was able to get off meth totally, and I was able to get off probation. And, you know, I was really, I was starting to get my life cleaned up. I was starting to, to come around again. So I decided to go to a, a, a vocational rehab and try to get a job. And part of their uh, uh, program, so to speak, was they had this two-month, like, independent living course. And they did that mainly because a lot of their clients were, like, kids out of high school that they were kind of trying to learn how to live on their own and stuff. And so some of the classes were, like, cooking and cleaning, uh, uh, braille and mobility. But they also had woodworking. And that's where I really started to woodwork. I had always been interested in it. And trust me, I thought they were kind of nuts when I first heard about it. <laughs> Bunch of blind people in there using saws and whatnot. <laughs> so you do see the, 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 I don't know what's the word I'm searching for here. You just, hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. It's surprising how many blind woodworkers there are out there. It, it really is. I had no idea. Um, but they also the teacher there, Chris Hathaway, he is one of my best friends. Um, we've, we've, we still uh, talk on a weekly basis, you know, and, uh, he retired it, and he knew how to teach people. Like I've never seen somebody that was so intuitive on what someone needed and what they could do. And, when you're working with saws and blind people, you better know what you're talking about, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so he actually retired not long after I started attending the school, uh, a, a few months in, and, uh, I wasn't really having much success finding employment because like I said before, where my skills lie are, are places that most people wouldn't, you know, a blind person is a liability, you know, in a wood shop or a mechanic shop or something like that. So they weren't really having a lot of success helping me. So basically he retired and invited me to come work in his wood shop because I, I had a project going. And for the next few years, I would just hang out with him and woodwork. So I just really refined my skills. And uh, then after a few years, you know, I, I was starting to get itchy again, you know, I'm just living with my parents, no job or anything. And so, uh, he had told me about the piano school up here in Washington in Vancouver. So I, I decided to check it out. It was right up my alley and I, I, you know, moved up here and the rest is, is history. <laughs> history know? as they say. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it really, it was quite the road to get here, but I really, I learned everything I needed to, and I wouldn't, I still wouldn't give up the years in the town I grew up in, you know, it, it, the, in it, the years that I was talking about with the drug use and the trouble with the law and stuff, because that, it gave me a wider perspective on the world. It gave me a, a deeper understanding of, I don't know, like just living, I guess, um, and so I wouldn't pass it up. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want those memories to go away, so to speak, because some are good, most are bad, but they taught me a lot. Right. They contributed to the the, the fabric of who you are today as, yeah. a, as a person. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's, well, you've certainly overcome more than most of us would, I think, be able to do. Um, Thank you. It sounds daunting the way you've described it, and I'm sure you've, you're being kind here too. So, so congratulations. And I love the fact I was watching, I was watching your, one of your, your, um, your talks and it mm -hmm. was, it, you, you're ex exceptionally engaging and I'm really glad that you're out there spreading positivity. Thank you. And, and, um, encouragement for people. I think that's, that's wonderful. And please continue. Thank you. Very Not much. that you need my permission to, but you know, please continue. <laughs> oh, no, th uh, thank you. Well, <laughs> yeah. it, having me on your podcast, that's, I mean, you, you are helping me. This is, you know, this is, you're getting, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So. Well, see the, the, the beautiful thing for us is that, you know, the state and, and, and I'll be fair. I mean, I've lived here all my life. Uh -huh. 
I've traveled the U.S. fairly extensively, mm-hmm. but I've lived here all my life, and, and I'm 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 biased. <laughs> and I'm there's great things in Colorado. There's great things in Rhode yeah. Island. Let Let's be fair; it's not oh, like yeah. Washington State oh, has yeah. it all locked up. But we do have some. We have amazing stories in the state yeah. um, of people who are doing amazing things, like yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing just interesting things going on statewide, mm-hmm. and it's really kind of fun to go figure out what's that next conversation for us going to be? Who, who's yeah. next? You know, and it's, yeah. it's always, and we, you, you and I've had our challenges getting connected for a couple of reasons. You know, it's yeah. like, Oh, yeah. we've been trying to do this for a couple three weeks. And it's just yeah. one thing, just my world just did not cooperate yeah. with that. Sometimes so it I've, just happens. <laughs> yeah. You and Annie have been awesome and so patient. So, she's, but I'd like to, oh, go ahead. yeah, she's, she's, she's great to communicate with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can tell you that as far as somebody who communicates and schedules, she's, she's top shelf. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she's got social media down pat. She really knows that stuff. And she's an amazing artist too. She really, you know, I just, whenever she goes at a, an art medium, she just, she goes for it and really just excels. She even did some uh, fiber art family portraits. They were a mix of uh, ink and fiber art. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for a whole family. Yeah, that's 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 very cool. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. I would I would like to talk. I'm looking. I'm on your. Um, as I typically do on these, these oh, yeah. interviews, I'm I'm on your website at the same time we're having a conversation. So I'm mm-hmm. like scrolling around looking at things. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I've got, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about some of your woodworking that's currently all out of stock, but looks like we restock every Monday. Like, we try to yeah. restock every Monday. What is, is it Claro wood? Yeah. Claro. What is Claro wood? I've never heard of that. I honestly, this is the first time I've ever heard of it too. Uh, there's oh, okay. a, a furniture maker from San Francisco sent me up a bunch of small wood rounds and it's a mix of claro and a uh, french walnut. Okay. And I I like claro. It's a it's a dense, pretty hard wood. I would oh I would it's harder than walnut definitely, but not quite as hard as like oak or hickory, somewhere between the two. Okay. Um probably like a like a nice hard maple. Uh, about that same density and and stuff and it it's really nice wood to work with but i i'll turn anything really i <laughs> i i've gotten wood before this mahogany called apaton that they use it to make the the beds of semi trailers that's oh yeah very that's, hard stuff what so what is your favorite wood to work with what is there i mean maybe that's probably project specific but well, no i do have some favorites uh sapili it's an African mahogany that is just delightful to work with. It it just carves like butter, but it's still hard enough to make like a mortar and pestle out of. I, I oh, actually wow. make a lot of those. Um, but yeah, Sapili, uh, Paduke, it's an African wood, and Yellowheart, which I believe is South American. And actually Yellowheart, it's... It, all of the uh, responsibly harvestable groves are all played out, which is sad. Definitely. I, uh, you know, I, and I always make sure that the wood I buy is, is responsibly harvested. I do not want to contribute to deforestation or anything like that. I mean, but I also do want to use the beautiful hardwoods. And so uh, the place I like to go to, they are definitely, you know, responsible about that. And right now I have basically the last couple of pieces of yellow heart I'll ever get my hands on. So I'm coming up with some pretty good stuff for it. All right. One of the things on your, on your, your shopping cart page, and it's, you know, at the time of this, Mm -hmm. it is out of stock. Um, is a Claro wood smartphone amplifier. Yes. Tell me about that. Well, (laughs) I, uh, I, the, the design, I am, I came up with that myself from scratch. Like I know that there's other amplifiers out there, but the ones I make are my own particular design that I developed from scratch. And uh, I, I, so I, basically, you put your phone in it. It props it up. It's space. It's like a, it's a special shaped bowl with a curving over rim, 
kind of a dome in the bottom and a post that sticks up in the middle for you to prop your phone up. And right. from what people have told me, it basically doubles the volume. It's about a 50% increase or so. And I, I'm very, very proud of them. I, like I said, I came up with it from scratch and I've been making them for two years now. Okay. And I, I love to tell the truth. It's the one thing I don't mind making over and over and over again. It, okay. it's cause the it's, it's different than a bowl. A bowl is whatever it ends up being. You know, I can, I okay. pretty much have complete control over that, but those amplifiers, they have very specific specifications that they have to meet to perform the way that they do. And so it's, it's fun to, it's almost like machining a part instead of making a bowl. All right. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking at this. You've also got a small French walnut bowl. That's beautiful. That piece is, that really is beautiful. Do you make those larger as well? Uh, yeah, I make everything from a little three inch diameter, one inch tall jewelry dishes all the way up to, I've done a 13 by seven inch salad bowl. Wow. Okay. How long did that take you? Cause that was, you were talking about that earlier. That was like 35 pounds of yeah, well, that blank one, wood. Uh, let's see here. That one took me about four days. Because wow, okay. I, it was a three-day glue process, and then it took me about it was about nine hours of carving or so. Wow! And okay. uh, yeah, that one was a, a dedication. <laughs> but the, wow, the, that's a lot of that's a lot of work. Yeah, the pattern I did, I I basically I had to make panels and then cut those panels up, re-glue them together in a different pattern into other panels, flatten those out, glue them together with other panels, and then have my block to turn. Wow. Okay. So I, it, it gets, it gets pretty complicated. It was about, Oh, it was probably about 30 different pieces of wood. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, I know very little about woodworking, um, mainly because I'm not allowed to, touch hand tools, or especially power tools. Um, just, there's a rule in our house and I, I'm not allowed. Well, you know. um, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for my wife, Edie, I don't know that anything would ever get fixed because I, I don't know what into the hammer to pick up. I'm lucky once in a while. I'm kind of kidding, but not really. Well, if, we, if, if, if he came over, you'd go, yeah, he's not kidding. Um, <laughs> we all we all have our strengths and weaknesses <laughs> right and that's and i you know exactly that i'm i'm perfectly okay with that yeah. but also you guys are doing cards and prints and paintings and calendars yes, tell yeah. us more about tell us more about that too okay so that's cool. all any stuff she okay. is an extremely accomplished artist and uh, so she's got cards uh she even does like, you know, like you said, cards, uh, notebooks, even with her art on the front of it, uh, bookmarks, calendars. Uh, and she's got those always available on the shop. Mm -hmm. um, and my stuff, it, it's it's a little harder to keep that in stock all the time. But, <laughs> I, you know, so she has just piles of stuff that's awesome. And I uh, know yeah, this is some really beautiful work here. Yeah. And, she, and she started to uh, sculpt recently too. Uh, one, uh, it just on Monday, she had this bowl that we posted and uh, we do collaboration projects. So mm -hmm. I'll turn a bowl that will have cracks in it or something like that. And so she'll paint that bowl and that way it's not wasted. And so she did one where she actually sculpted a frog with a fishing pole sitting on the edge of the bowl with his fishing line down in the bowl. And she had water painted in the bottom of the bowl and a little fish on the end of the line that was sculpted. Yeah. I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very nice. I like that a lot. Yeah. So that was a bowl that had a structural defect that would keep it from being able to be a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It had some cracks. And so, and so by painting it, then you're, you can seal over it. And so, I mean, not that you're going to use this as a bowl or now it just becomes an art piece. Yeah, correct? yeah, exactly. Right. Then it, then it just becomes a, a collaboration art piece between the two of us. That's very, very, I like that one and, a lot. And it's great that, you know, like how, how cool is it that a, a visual artist and a blind 
more three dimensional artists got together and got married. You know, right? Wow, that's that's a cool story too. Yeah. What else? I mean, what else can you share with us that you? Th- we'll we'll kind of we'll, this is how we'll we'll kind of mm-hmm. we'll ramp this one down and they'll say okay so what else would you like to share that you think we'd like to hear mm-hmm. and then why don't you tell us where we can find you online and all of that okay. stuff okay so um well uh like i've said before too she's not just an artist she is our business i just make stuff you know she <laughs> she does all the posting all the you know on the store all the uh, you know emails everything she does all that stuff um so i i you know i want to make sure that people understand how vital she is to our our whole thing you know cuz a lot of times it, she she gets kind of lost in the you know, in the crowd, so to speak, or, you know, and I, I just want to make sure that everybody knows they would not even know who I was without her. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But, and she, she's my biggest fan. really, And and we have such a wonderful relationship. Just, it could not be stronger. Couldn't be better. So I, I found, I found my person. We found our people. We, we really, you know, lucked out, so to speak. We waited for just the right time. <laughs> and uh, I guess also, you know, like I, another message I want to get out there is let those that you love and look up to and have helped you, let them know. There's so many times that like we just kind of think they know or we I don't know. It's hard to say, but, it, but just that little bit, a couple of words of, Hey, you, you're, you're awesome. You helped me out at this time, or I love you because you're, you know, you're there for me or just whatever. Those words can mean so much to somebody. And I, you know, that's, that's a message I like to get out there. It's just, you know, the sun, there's a, a line in a blues traveler song that says, uh, the sun always shines, even though it might not get to the ground. Okay. Yeah, I love that. That's a great band too. Oh yeah. Blues Traveler is <laughs> great. That, that harmonica he plays, man. Can't believe how that guy played that thing. Well, so I got it. Okay. This is totally like, we're, okay. Welcome to, as I described these episodes, like welcome to a grateful dead yeah, show. We're going to go meander around now. Okay. When you when you were living in Colorado, were you? Did you ever go to Red Rocks? No, I never really okay. went to that kind of stuff. I uh, okay, all my friends did though. Okay. I hung out with. I, I've never kids. been, and I've heard that it's a magical spot. Yeah, um, we're lucky here. We've got the Gorge. Mm-hmm. The Gorge Amphitheater is a, a beautiful venue too. But yeah, we went out to. Uh, there's a place a venue called Edgefield close by here. We saw Beck. Oh, what was oh, it? Okay. Like 2014. That show was incredible. Really? Yeah, okay. it was absolutely so, amazing. So who else? Uh, so what else musically are you interested in? What do you like musically? Boy, I like practically a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, some of my favorites all, let's see here. Uh, like I said, Blues Traveler, um, Tool, Perfect Circle, Knife Party, uh, Ellis Paul, Alicia Keys, like uh, just about anything you can think of. If I like it, I, I play it. Ween. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, all all kinds right. Of, you know, just Primus has been one of my favorites right from the start. I mean, right since back in 94, I've been listening to those guys. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, just, I love it. Uh, I it wouldn't be an episode if we didn't go completely off. You know, oh, not that totally. they're scripted, but if we don't go completely off script, it wouldn't it, just be one honestly, of my shows. When when you described it as a Grateful Dead show, that makes me feel really comfortable because all of my friends in Colorado, all my hippie buddies and stuff, not the meth ones, but the good friends, right. you know, right. they. I listen to so much Grateful Dead around them that there's only a couple of their songs I can even handle anymore. <laughs> Well, see, the thing thing is about when you went to a dead show, Mm -hmm. 
they were either magical or they were awful. Let's, let's be honest. They were, there were really bad performances and I've been to them, but when they, when they, when something clicked and the art really was flowing through the band that day Mm -hmm. or they, you never knew what to expect. And it was, but it was always an enjoyable journey. So it's not that the music is bad so much as I just heard the same songs of billion times oh come on now you can never get tired of the grateful well hey sugar magnolias i love i still listen that tune all the time it's a great song yeah Yeah. so well (laughs) on that note why don't we why don't you share with us where people can find you and annie online and we'll put some we'll put some links in the show notes so people can click on them easy but all righty why don't you tell us well uh you can find me if you put in the blind woodsman that'll take you to all of our social media it'll take you to our store and everything uh youtube tiktok everything just the blind woodsman um and you're you're on patreon yeah yeah we're on patreon Uh, and thank you a million times to all our patrons. They, we couldn't do it without you. It's amazing. Um, and uh, also Furnace Studios. That's F-U-R-N-I-S-S-S-T-U-D-I-O-S. So there's three S's there in the middle. Three S's, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, John, thank you so much for, for being on here. Um, I've enjoyed it immensely. And you do some amazing work, which I'm really happy to do our little part of the showcasing. And you are an inspiration. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate you having me on. It, it's wonderful to be able to share my story. And, and I, I just really love talking to people in general. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.